Hey mamas, you're listening to the Balanced Working Mama podcast, the only podcast teaching you how to balance your work, motherhood, and wellness. I am Dr. Amber Thornton, clinical psychologist and mama wellness consultant. Each week we dive into tips and strategies and much more so that you too can become a balanced working mama. Let's dive in. Hey mamas, welcome to the Balanced Working Mama podcast. My name is Dr. Amber and I am the host and creator of Balanced Working Mama, but you all probably know that (laughs) Uh, because this is probably not your first time listening. But if it is your first time listening, thank you for being here. I'm so glad that you have stumbled upon this podcast. I hope that you will subscribe and continue to listen to the podcast because our passion and mission is to truly help you find the balance and wellness in motherhood. And the thing that is really standing out to me this year about balance and wellness and motherhood is that it really encompasses so many things. If you listen to the first few episodes of the podcast this season, you know that balance um, involves so many things. Wellness involves so many things. If you're in the community, you already know this because we have had several events about the topic of balance and wellness and what it involves, what it looks like. And it's not just one thing. It's many, many, many things. And um, today, this episode kind of um, demonstrates that because today we are actually talking about special education services for our children. And one might think that this has nothing to do with balance and wellness and motherhood, but truly it is related because when there is something going on with our children, especially when it comes to their ability to learn or to access education, um, it does not feel good. It doesn't feel good to to feel as if your child is not getting their needs met. It doesn't feel good to to feel like you are not able to give them what they need. It can feel hopeless and overwhelming sometimes when you see your child struggling academically. And so this episode is all about that process, navigating the special education process. And we talk a lot about IEPs in this episode. An IEP is an ed, in, uh, sorry, Woo. words. An IEP is an individualized education plan, and this is a plan that every student who might need special education services receives. And so, there's so many, um, you know, things about this topic that we talk about in this episode today. And I'm so glad that I had Rakisha from Effective IEP to talk with us about this. Effective IEP is a company that really works to support parents and families as they navigate this process. Um, It helps to advocate for families, helps families to feel more empowered in navigating this process and also just understanding the process. Um, Effective IEP has consultative services, but then they also have supportive products like IEP guides and templates to help you understand your child's process. And so it's really a great resource. And so I'm so happy to bring this episode to you all today because it might be something that one of you all are needing. It might be something that you might need later down the line. And so it's really worth a listen because it could be useful for you and your child in the education process, but then also it might help you to understand the challenges or the experiences of of another mama who has a parent not a parent, who is a parent of a child who is receiving special education services or having some academic challenges. So without further ado, I present to you our episode today. I hope that you enjoy it. Let me know what you think and let's get into it. 
Hey, hey, mamas, we have a very special guest today. Um, I'm super excited about this because as you all know, I've been bringing on a lot of guests recently. And this guest is bringing something that we have never really talked about on the podcast before. But I know that is um, really useful information for a lot of mamas. Um, so I'm, we're just going to jump in. So I want to say hello to Rakisha with Effective IEP. Um, thank you so much for coming on today and talking with us. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. So my very first question, I just want to ask you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the company and the work that you all do. Yes. Um, so um, for um, so our brand, we are focused on um, so empowering parents um, so as they navigate um, the IEP process. And that sort of means, so we're giving you the tools that you need to, um, to um, see what the IEP process like it should look like to make sure um, you understand um, like what the goal should look like. And to also um, to build up so your confidence. Um, so in that process as well, because sometimes people kind of like they come to the table and they don't know what they don't know like I said they're kind of uh too trusting per se so that's what should be going on you know what and so thank you for that and I'm realizing like as we're as you were kind of like just giving your introduction, like already I started having all these questions about, well, what the heck is an IEP? And so I was going to ask you that later, but I feel like that really just needs to be the next question because, you know, you know what an IEP is. I know what an IEP is because I work in a school, but there's a lot of mamas who are listening that have no idea what we're talking about. Um, and they might not realize that this information could be useful for them in terms of um, how they help their child access education. And so, Actually, can we just start from the basics and can you help us understand what is an IEP and why, why are we even talking about this today? So an IEP, um, think of an IEP um, so as a roadmap for your child. And so to qualify um, for an IEP, so you have to have um, sort of an evaluation. And from that evaluation, they will find you um, so eligible for special education services. And, and so that being said, I also want to clarify, so your diagnosis does not mean you're placed so with that house of students. So I know that in some schools or in some places, they kind of have like the idea like all the autism kids are going to be like a long room, but that's not how the IEP process should work. And so an IEP is for your child and your child only. We're not um, concerned about the rest of the kids in the room. Like, so these are specific um, so goals for your learner. And it should last a span of, so one year. Um, by law, there should be an IEP meeting at least one time per year. And then you have a reevaluation. Um, so at least um, once every three years, but that being said, like your rights, um, so as a parent, you can basically um, like, so request IP like at any time. So, um, so it's February right now. 
let's say you had an IEP meeting like in November. And so you feel like, okay, like I'm having some of my challenges like with John at home. And I think like, so we're seeing the same things at school. Like I have some concerns, but go ahead and send your school team an email and you request an IEP. And then um, they have a certain amount of time um, so to get back to you and schedule that meeting. So don't feel that I just had a meeting like in November. So I have to wait until the next November. That's not how it should work. Yeah, I like that. And um, again, for me, I work in a school now. I think you all know I have my nine to five. I work at a school. <laughs> and so guilty. Guilty as well. <laughs> um, and I I have the the honor and privilege of attending IEP meetings and being a part of that process every now and then, not always, but every now and then. And so me working at the school, I've learned so much about this process, but I, I know that if I did not work at a school, I would have no idea what this is. Um, I would be so intimidated by it. Um, and so something I'm also realizing, I, I feel like the terminology or the, the the language around this has um, changed a little bit too, because I think many of our listeners might be used to the term like special education. Um, and so with that, they might understand what that is, but they may not have heard IEP, which is individual individualized education plan. And so how do those things relate? Are they the same? Are they different? Are they just to help the mamas kind of like understand those two phrases and how they're connected. So uh, legally you can be found um, to eligible um, so for IEP. Um, so based on your diagnosis, as far as like your skill set and um, the things that you need. And so for example, there are some students like it's more of like a reading fluency, like it's more of like, so a delay, um, so are some students like it's only, and so it's only, um, so focus like on your math goals. And so students with an IEP are in um, special education, but that being said, just because I have a diagnosis of um, like ASD or, um, or technically like it's ADHD, like or OHI, et cetera, I can be served in a general, in a general classroom. So I don't need to be in that, what people will think of um, special ed classroom like the smaller setting to go along with that. Sometimes those smaller settings, um, the supports so are built in. Um, but again, like this is based on your child and your child only. It's not for the convenience site. So of, the school or staffing issues, et cetera, et cetera. Like this is for your child only. And so there are some kids, um, so in a gen ed setting and they may have, and they may really have like online um, accommodations. So for testing and quizzes that says, oh, I get an extra 15, 30 minutes. That's in their IP. And that's for each classroom, like for each quiz, like for each test, um, for state testing as well, but they're not necessarily in what's considered a special ed classroom, but they're technically a special ed student. So it's kind of a, there's no like right or wrong answer. It's just kind of based on like your child, like in their needs. Um, 
I'm not sure if I answered your question. I don't yeah. know if I did, but it's just kind oh. of like the whole thing like is a gray area because it's based on your child. It's not like one lane exactly. for everyone. It's diff- it's yeah. so different for everybody. And again, I just started learning this stuff this year. Um, so, and I, I love how what you said, I think a lot of times when parents who are first introduced to this, and a lot of times I feel like when they're first introduced to it, they're like nervous and scared because they're like, oh my gosh, is there something wrong with my, my kid? Why are they not learning? You know? Mm-hmm. And so they, I think they first assume like, oh, special education means, like you said, there's this one classroom for all the kids and they all learn the same thing, no matter the age. And so that's actually, like you said, that's not how it is. I know at the school that I work for, there is a room like that. Um, and it's a very small classroom and, and that's the most, and again, I'm, I hope I'm not messing up the terminology, the most restrictive um, in terms of accessing education. Um, so there's maybe like, you know, a few students in there who really need a lot of support um, and they're not um, in general education classes. However, there's so many students that go to our school that have IEPs and, and technically receive special education services who um are in general education classes and they receive other services. And the way that helped me think about it is that the IEP is designed to help a student access the education, no matter the tool or the resource. Um, And so is that kind of how we should be thinking about it? Yes. And to go along with what you said about, so about um, the students, um, so in those smaller settings, they should still, have um, so access to their on um, their gen ed peers, and, and so that may mean uh, they go to music, or they go to art, or to gym class, or they go to recess. And so those students should not be locked in a room the whole day. I know, like now with COVID, there's some uh, classes, so they eat on my inside their classrooms now, but um, that's more of like a COVID thing, like as far as like the lunchroom, like and all the kids in a room. But as far as um, they should all um, be able to sort of access on their gen ed peers. And so um, that can mean like a recess or something like that. Now also, I wanna highlight that it should be grade level peers. And so, so if um, your child is in, is in the second or first grade, they should, not, they should not be going to recess. So with fifth graders, because it works better for the schedule. It should be the first or second graders. Um, and there are also um, levels of services someone specialized in. So if you're, um, so if your child right now like is in a gen ed setting, they wouldn't just go to like the most restrictive setting. So um, federal, um, so law, and so we have to provide um, so LRE, and, and that's the least. So basically, like you're not putting them to a restrictive setting first, like and so you try to go like the least restrictive setting, like and then you go through the tiers. And so from Gen Ed, like you may go to Cotod, and then from Cotod, and so you may go to Resource, and then um, from there, like you go like the self-contained or yeah. But you shouldn't just jump from Gen Ed and then you're just gonna go to be in a self-contained unit. That's not how. She, yeah, it should not go like that. Nope, not at all. If no. if it does, y'all might need to call effective IEP. <laughs> yes. 
Oh, and so I, I, so I realized we like completely jumped into the conversation and like just really started going in. But I first wanted to ask you, how did you even become passionate about this? Like, you know, how did this become something that you wanted to do? You know, helping support families with the IEP process. So, um, so, um, so our team here is like a variety. So for myself, um, so I fell into special education. 12 years ago, like internship, so in college, I didn't know I'm like anything about like autism or special ed. I, and then I did internship and I loved it. And I have not, I'm like, looked back since. And so, um, um, some of our team members, uh, they've been a special ed like for 20 plus years. Like, and so we come from so variety, um, but the main idea is like, we're not here to build your dependency on us. So we're here like to give you those tools. And so um, sometimes when people like they hear about the company, they, they think of us um, so as the advocates. So for us, our goal is to give you those skills like to advocate because, um, because like once you know the basics, that's all you have to do. Like for someone so who's been a lot of, um, who's been in um, quite a few um, so IEP meetings, like as far as like legal meetings, you see advocates and they talk for the parent. And so, and there's sometimes the parents don't agree or don't know, or they're saying like something that the advocate does not um, like. Um, so like, and then you have that back and forth and you just see the, so you just see that friction. So they're like, and then that impacts like the whole like route on like of the meeting. And so I do want to clarify that um, for our goal is not to sit at table with you. So it's to give you the tools. And so you're confident like at your own table. Um, so because again, I'm um, like, these are skills that um, so you can apply, like you can apply to different places. And so it won't just be like for your child at school, like so maybe at church, like you can tell someone, hey, so at school, I know like if you give John like a five minute heads up, like so he'll transition so much faster. You see what I'm saying? Like, so for us, so it's more about the quality of life um, like, of the whole family. So, and not just, so not just um, focused in, so at school. I love that. And I love that you said that advocacy because I, I do think that it's important um, because I know for me, like as a parent, thinking about this process can be really intimidating um, because you, you feel like you're like walking in, you know, the way that the IEP meetings are set up, it's like a whole bunch of school professionals. Um, and then it's you and you're supposed to like know the things for your kid. And then you're like, you just, it's confusing. It can feel really intimidating. And so I imagine that those are some of the barriers that, um, you know, parents might face as they navigate this process. But I wanted to ask you that question, you know, with you and your team working with families around this, what are some of the barriers that you've noticed parents are facing when it comes to, um, the idea of special education for their student or navigating the IEP process? Um, I wouldn't start out, that's um, what I say, like people are tired. And so it's kind of like, you don't, um, so you're starting out, I'm like kind of like, I don't know like where to start. I just, 
And so I know it's not working, but it's also something that I think is better held like for a professional. So for those conversations, and so I kind of shifted and I kind of like, okay, like, so what are some challenges like so you're seeing at school, like and what are some challenges like you're seeing at home? And then we flesh those out. And then and then um, from there, um, so it's about trying to build a communication gap because um sometimes like um schools and just how so I wouldn't say schools, I would say like just how um so people are sometimes it's more about the convenience. And so like I may call you and ask you like, hey Dr. Amber, um, is it okay like to have a meeting on Wednesday morning? When um like legally I should give you like a written notice and you have at least three days and then those um three days like so I should give you so a draft of the IEP like so when you come to the meeting like you already so know what the present levels are so you know what those goals are and so it's um sometimes not knowing what the process should look like um so then also um people tend to care about like the whole class so which is good I'm not saying like you shouldn't care about the other kids in the room but the other kids in the room, um, they have their own IEPs as well. So you're focused on like, so your child. And so um, if your child like has on like high needs or they need to, and so they're in that self-contained class um, for a certain part of the day, but they need to go out, that's what your child should have. It shouldn't be, oh, you know, there's only like one staff member in the room. That's not your responsibility. The school is supposed to provide um, faith, and so you want to make sure um, that the education like is appropriate for your child. And so, um, so I think like it's not knowing like and try to build those communication gaps, and also coming to the IEP meeting with with um, your concerns so ready. And so when I walk you through like the parental um, concerns and you share that, um, like. So we um, so we recommend that you share that with the school team at least uh, three days um, so prior to the meeting, and that way again, like they're coming to the table so prepared, like to answer. Um, so rather than like you go into the meeting, like hand them like a piece of paper, and then they have to take the time so to read and kind of like go through, like in that way, like that way, um, so the entire team is sitting down, like being effective as far as like. So our time, um, yeah. Yep, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and so I wanted to ask, because again, there might be mamas who are listening to this and they have not considered this, but they might be experiencing some things with their child that might lead them to experience this later. And so I guess the question I'm trying to ask is, what are some signs or indications um, that might warrant us to want to start this process? Or, um, you know, what are some things that might let us know that our child might benefit from having an IEP or that we should look into this process? Okay, um, for legally, there's a process called um, child fine. So child fine is, um, so requires the schools or the systems per se to evaluate children who display like at risk or, um, or uh, 
students um, they feel may um, benefit um, from services. And so if um, so you're noticing like maybe like there's a delay like in different errors or something of that nature. And again, I'm like when you go to um, so when you speak to anybody, I really believe um, so in choosing so your words and remembering so the purpose um, so the purpose um, so of the conversation. So for example, like if I'm going to go to a school like and I have a student who I feel like I'm seeing some things I'm not quite sure, but um like. But um, but um, so I want like a second set of eyes, or I want to get like so an evaluation done. So I'm gonna send an email like, and I'm gonna say um like hi, I'm Miss So and So, or I'm John's mom. I would like to rec um to request um so an evaluation based on John's um so reading level. He's about uh sixty percent um so behind. Um, some of his peers like in his classroom and we've tried XYZ. And so then the school is going to, to respond back and the next step it should be, so they're gonna to talk to you and then, but before the, um, before the evaluation starts, they still should get your written um, consent before the eval because the consent is gonna tell you so exactly so exactly, um, so exactly, um, so what you're going to look at. So, um, so again, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm like barge into the school or like text teacher like legally, like so I know y'all have to do this for my child X Y Z. Just, just be polite and just kind of like keep it flowing and be just, just be a human being. But, um, but sometimes people tend to go in and they're like, I know what the law says, I know what this, like, I know that, and then that kind of puts the other party like apprehensive, like, okay, good morning. How are you doing today? And so, yeah. Oh my gosh. And it's so hard because as you were talking, I thought of like two other things that are not on our question list, but things <laughs> I want us to talk about. Um, one, so like what you're saying, I think sometimes people do come in kind of kind of hot. And I think it's because one, I think it's fear. I think mm -hmm. they're afraid of what this means and, and what is about to happen. And I think also it is it's heavily related to like systemic, um, what is the word, systemic um, things that have happened that are just not okay, especially to Black children and Black families, people of color. Um, I think people are reacting and responding to those past incidents. Um, even if they didn't happen to them, they, they just know that, hey, sometimes our school systems and our institutions don't treat our children the best. And so, you know, I, I, I do, I like what you're saying, you know, to, I, I think what I'm, what I'm realizing is that working with a company like Effective IEP can kind of help bring down some of those walls or the barriers or even help addressing some of the fear around it too. Um, you know, so people can kind of like walk into the situation with an open mind and um, open to the possibilities and, and being able to hear what's going on. Um, but the other thing you made me think about, and I, I'm really curious to get your opinion on this, I know that especially in our community, the Black community, um, 
sometimes what I've found is that families will notice that there are things going on with the child academically, or maybe even like emotionally or, or, or you know, mentally, and their, you know, their, their approach is, well, I don't want to even go down that route because I don't want the school to treat my child different. I don't want my child to receive special education. I want them to be treated um, like everyone else. And I, I feel like sometimes that's a really big barrier because again, I think behind that it is fear of the child being mistreated. And we know we don't want our children to be mistreated. And I see that if the child is struggling and there's something that we can do to help them access education, but we don't move forward with that because we're afraid that the school might treat them different, um, it really um, is, a, is a disservice for the child. So I wanted to know, is that something that your company has run into, you know, these, these the, the fear of moving forward because they don't want their child to be treated any differently? Yes, and we see that too, um, just from like, to diagnosis. And so, for example, like if I have diagnosis and it's on like OHI. So if my grandma passed away, like I had a bad day at school, the first thing they're going to say is like, well, there's her EBD coming out or something like that. And so like, so for me, like my grandma just passed away. Like, of course, like I'm going through some things right now. And um, that's why I'm like, so during the process, there are certain things in place that should prevent that diagnosis if you are on like so going through a traumatic time or something um but um there are so I try to tell parents I'm like what are your long-term goals and so so you know right now so you're seeing this challenge like so with John um so in his coping skills or in like his reading etc and so we need to break down those skills and work on those skills. And so the whole purpose, the whole purpose like so of the IEP is to give your child just that one-to-one -one on that roadmap. So if John can um like so benefit from the additional so that help, so in support, then we're setting John up to be able so to um like to hold his part-time job at the age of 16. Um, so to be able to like, independently um, like, live on his own um, when he turns 18, uh, to be able so to catch the bus and um, like get to work, et cetera. So it's more so once you um, sort of reframe sort of the conversation, so because again, so we're not going to all live forever. Um, and so you want to make sure like your quality of life like is that as well. And so like if your quality of life each if I'm like you're spending most things like worried about John, so what are you doing? So for yourself, right? And um like so you're a whole person as well. So you want to put those supports in place. And so like John knows that oh I get to talk to Miss Amber. So I'm like on this day of the week, oh I get to talk to so and so like this day of the week. Oh, I'm working in my math skills, like you're building up on that confidence as well. Um, so in your uh, child, like it shouldn't be a, it shouldn't be a situation where um, John is shamed because of his math skills. It's more about oh, I'm working with, oh, I'm working like with Miss So and So, or my skills are growing up. And with the IEP, um, so you have to report every four point five or nine weeks. Um, 
um, so on the progress um, so of that math goal. And so, um, so you'll be able to see what, okay, like John is making progress in math or not seeing progress in math. And so by looking at those progress monitoring data, you can see what, okay, and so we've tried this and so we need to switch the teaching method or we need to switch something else. But it's more about, for us, the child can feel that as well. So you want to empower the child. And so sometimes like when you hold back services, you're, um, I'm trying to find the right word, but you're kind of, um, I don't want to say building, but, but you're reinforcing, um, but you're reinforcing um, some of those feelings. So as to, so as to like, I'm not good at math. I'm never gonna be good at math because in that situation, um, so John isn't actually um, still working. So on his math skills, it's just sort of, it's just swept under the rug. I, I, I think, yes, I hear what you're saying. And another way I was thinking about it is it reinforces that negative self, ugh, like self-belief or self-concept because when we withhold services, we're essentially telling the kid that there's something that they need to do on their own to improve versus we can just give them this tool that would help tremendously. Um, and so it kind of helps to externalize. Um, I hope this is making sense. Now I'm trying to figure out my words. It, it helps providing services and tools and, and helping with skill building helps to kind of externalize the process of um, what it means to like progress or move forward. You know what I mean? It's not all just, um, I have to do it on my own with my own intrinsic, you know, capabilities or my own internal self. I, I can have tools and skills and that also leads to growth. And so that's kind of how I thought about it too. Um, Cause I agree. I think sometimes, you know, for instance, I'm always thinking about like, for instance, ADHD, this is one that I'm always, that is, it's common, it comes up often. And so sometimes we have students who have had ADHD for years and we've either ignored it or we've told them that they're just not trying hard enough or that they're just not listening um, when really they have needed help um, and tools and strategies to help them cope with the how challenging it can be to to listen or to sit still or to focus um, and so withholding those services from them has then led them to become really um lacking self-confidence about their ability to do things or um, not having good self-esteem or not wanting to try at school. So, so absolutely, I see that a lot. And I think, you know, when I used to work at a university, I would have a lot of students come in for therapy because they um, did not receive services that they really needed all along. And they finally went to college and received the services um, through a similar process, IEP process. Um, and they were just like, wow, I wish that I would have got this. <laughs> you know, before I came to college, it would have really changed things for me. So I absolutely agree with that. Um, I have like two more questions for you. Okay. And so the last, well, the last few, this one is about, you know, do you have any other suggestions for how parents can um, go into this IEP process um, and, and really advocating for themselves and their child. Any other tips or strategies to help them feel ready to do something like that? Yes. 
Um, is, um, the first thing I recommend is to please, please, I'm begging you, attend the meeting, please, please, please. Oh my goodness. There's so many meetings so where the parents will say, oh, it's okay. Oh, it's okay. I'm not going to come. Then you don't know what's going on and then when something happens. And so, so please, please, please attend the meeting, especially now like with COVID and everything, like it's a quick thing on Zoom. So you can be at work or be in your car, like and attend the meeting. And so you just ask the school team, I'm gonna send you a draft of the IEP. So two days before, and so you have it on like printed out for you, like you make your notes on it. And so please attend the meeting. That's the first thing. Um, the second thing is it's okay to ask questions because the language shouldn't be too technical. So if you understand, I know that as um, like professionals, like a part of our professionalism, like in our ethics, is to make sure that things we're are sharing with people. So, so it's on like in their language, because if not, then what are we doing, right? So if, um, so if, um, so if, um, so you have questions, please just ask the questions. And again, like it's about like how you ask it, and so, um, try to make sure again like your intention, um, so aligns with your language, um. So the next thing, um, so I would share, so it's follow-up. So if um, there was a goal or there was a meeting and the team said, I will let you know in two weeks, go ahead and send that email like, hi, um, hi, Ms. So-and-so, during an IEP meeting on X, so we said that um, we will follow up on Y. I'm just checking in, um, please provide an update very simple it's very um so direct but it's also it's um i don't want to say polite but it's not like rude and so hey it's been two weeks and i haven't like heard from y'all like what are y'all doing at that school i can't keep up with all this stuff all the time right <laughs> so you gotta find that balance and again so i touched on this um before but please share your parental concerns because like what I see happening a lot, I'm at meetings, the parents will say, oh, I don't have any concerns. And especially um, school is about the whole child. And so like, even if you're having like issues at home, they have on like social workers on staff, on like community resources and stuff. And so don't be ashamed to share what well, I'm like, um, so mornings are very so difficult. It's been challenging at home where we're looking or I'm looking to find more things in the neighborhood so for him. And so that's something that's something I'm working on as well. Because um because um so social workers at school, they are bomb. When I tell you they are connected, they know those resources. But if um they don't know, then they can't help us. So please just share parental concerns and um, please be honest, please be honest. Mm -hmm.
Wow, these are really good tips. Thank you so much for coming and representing Effective IEP and, and really just um, talking about a topic that, again, we've never talked about before on this podcast, but I, I know that um, so many mamas will get a lot of value out of. So thank you so much. And my last question for you, um, if there are mamas that are listening to this and they want to connect with Effective IEP or that maybe they have questions, how might they connect with you all or reach out? So we are at Effective IEP on um, Twitter, um, on IG, and on um, Pinterest. Um, if you um, join our email list, we have great freebies. Um, so we have a parental um, a concern document. Um, we have an IEP note template. We have a get to know me template for your child. And we also, and so, um, we have a mini version so of our guide of um, tips before the meeting, during the meeting, when the meeting um, is over. So as well, and so um, join our email list and um, visit our on um, our website. It is www.effective. Um, I'm sorry, www.effective. Um, effective. Um, to IEP.com. And I would like to add one more thing. Um, personally, I'm a BCBA. And so I do want to clarify that um, so our services are not for the BACB board and we're not. Um, so align with that. And so I do want to make that clear that this is not a BCBA typical. Um, so services and our services are outlined on the website as well. Thank you so much. I am so excited for this episode. Oh my gosh. I, I really hope that mamas get a lot of value out of this episode and we appreciate you for coming on so much. Okay. All right. Until next time. Bye. Hey mama, thank you for listening to the Balanced Working Mama podcast. If you love this podcast, please be sure to rate it and share it with another mama that you know. And don't forget to follow me and Balanced Working Mama on Instagram. I'll talk to you soon.